This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you would take your Bibles tonight, I'm going to ask you uh, to turn with me to Isaiah 55. We'll be looking at a text there in just a few moments. Tonight we're going to finish up, and it's taken longer than I really anticipated. At the same time, uh, I have tried to be very deliberate in what I share, not be too quick, uh, so that I'm clear. Uh, But we've been looking, we're in a series right now on covenant theology uh, that's going to cover several aspects of what is happening in Christianity today, uh, how people view the Scripture, how they interpret the Scripture. I want to instruct us about the historical uh, connections with where the church is now. We are really the product of our history. And so we've been looking at three fatal flaws of covenant theology. Uh, Covenant theology, which has grown out of what we call Reformed theology, Uh, the theology that grew out of the Reformation, uh, it did uh, initially uh, really thrive as a way of viewing theology. It thrived on the specific doctrine of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. For a thousand years, the Roman church had taught that uh, you're saved by works. Be a member of the church uh, and and, uh, follow the traditions of the church. And essentially it boiled down to this, Jesus plus the church for salvation. We know from Scripture that salvation is through Christ alone. All right, and so... uh, We've been trying to explain this other system of theology that really has impacted the world uh, negatively. I would say especially places like Europe. If you talk to, for instance, the LePages on Guernsey, there are professing Christians and there are church houses. But anyone who goes door to door and knocks and tries to share the gospel Anyone who will stand in the public square and hand out gospel literature is criticized strongly, not by the world, by Christians. Professing Christians who say, look, if the Lord's going to save them, if they're the elect, they're going to get saved and you don't need to do that. That is one of the reasons the LePages have had such a hard time there. It's the resistance of the church. And that resistance, of course, has led to, the lack of the gospel has led to darkness, deep darkness, and a paganism in the island where people have functioned so long without God, they don't think they need God. We're doing fine. They're not doing fine. They're in spiritual blindness. But we're doing fine. Why do we need you? Why do we need the gospel, what you're trying to tell us about Jesus? 
It has deadened churches throughout Europe, and it is deadening churches here. And I've shared with you stories of churches where they, they were once soul-winning churches, proclaimed the whole counsel of God. Some pastor came in and started to teach this theology, and things dried up. And in some cases, those churches don't even exist today. All right, and so, again, you might ask, why is this a, uh, a problem in churches? And I've mentioned that those who espouse this theological system are aggressively promoting it, okay? And so that's why we need to respond to it. Uh, and, and if we don't respond to it, the reason I believe this problem exists is because many pulpits in churches and colleges have not taught the whole counsel of God, have remained silent on this issue, and as a result, that has had negative effects too, because then when this is being taught, young minds, impressionable minds start to hear this, and, uh, and wonder why this hasn't been addressed. One of the dangers, too, with this is intellectualism. Because you've got to think, and these people sound smart, and, and so I hear this, and, and well, this, what does the Scripture say? That, that, uh, and Paul addressed this when he was in Athens, that, that people are always wanting to hear some new thing. Well, I haven't, I haven't heard this, and they're using the Bible. What? Okay. And so they'll get to themselves teachers. They have itching ears, and so they'll find teachers. And, and again, the Internet doesn't help. All these websites, podcasts, you know, some, somebody will scratch their particular itch, and they'll find somebody that agrees with them or some position, and people get sucked into that. All right, and so we've looked at these flaws. I mentioned to you, first of all, the three fatal flaws. Number one, covenant theology chooses to ignore the realities of church history. And I would just invite you to go back to the uh, first message that I preached. I, I went into some detail about what happened early on in the church. Uh, that's led to this, this teaching. Number two, covenant theology refuses to interpret all Scripture literally. And we know that the Bible tells us that that's exactly how we're to interpret the Bible. Paul told the Galatians that he marveled that they were so soon removed. And in the Scripture we see terms like the simplicity of the gospel. All right. Yes, Jesus spoke in parables, but even the parables were clear. The disciples asked him, why do you speak in parables? And he told them, because I do that because people that are here to listen to me, they don't want to believe anyway. But what's wonderful about the parables, if you really want to know what Jesus was saying, stick around, because after class, he'd tell you what he meant. So I, I love the fact we have the scriptures and we can read the parable and then see what Jesus was teaching. But the simplicity of the word of God. And I've mentioned, the Lord tells us we have to have faith as a what? Child. 
And the Lord says if we will to do his will, we will know the doctrine. Jesus said that in John's gospel. All right, so you'll understand the teaching if you approach it from a standpoint of an open heart. Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things. Show me the truth. And you know what the Lord says? I'll show you the truth. I'll give it to you. I'll show it to you. And so they refused to interpret Scripture literally. I love the fact that Jesus said, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private what? Interpretation. No, the Lord wanted man to know what he wanted. Right? The Word of God is the mind of God to the mind of man, so that we might know God, be able to be saved, to be restored to fellowship with God, and then please Him. Study to show yourself approved unto God. There's nothing about that reading between the lines. No, just study what he has said so you can be approved. All right, and so we, we saw that every word of God is pure. We believe in verbal inspiration, plenary inspiration, uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. And so last time I shared with you the little matter, literal method of interpretation. Uh, we exegete. What does the Bible say? Uh, that forms our biblical theology. What does it mean? That forms our systematic theology. What do doctrines does the Bible teach? So we can take all of that in Scripture and, and compare what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, about angels, about man, about salvation about end times. We can compare all that, and that gives us our systematic theology. And that, from that, then we form our practical theology, what should I do? All right, God has revealed this truth, what should I do with it? And, and we develop it in that order. I gave some examples last time of how men like Oregian, Others started to uh, look for a deeper meaning in what they read from the Scripture. Um, allegory. Uh, and, and, I, and I told you how just some of that became so silly. They would read a simple account that we should interpret literally what the Lord said. And they're coming, in, coming back with all this deep meaning. And when you have that happen over centuries, it's no wonder then that the world begins to think, well, that's your interpretation. Because this denomination says this, and this denomination says this, and you know what? It doesn't matter what the denominations say. What does God say? That's what matters. Now, it matters because you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we can't really know what the Bible means, there's no light for the path. You go on and on to develop that, but that brings us then to the third fatal flaw, and that is covenant theology relies excessively on human logic. 
human logic. Let me, let me just word it this way. Man in his pride, even Christians can get to the point where they think, you know what? I've figured out God. You know we haven't figured out God. All that we know about God is what he has revealed here. But wait a minute. What we know about God is not just what he's revealed. Be careful. It's what he has said. And when he speaks over here and he speaks over here and these two seem to contradict each other, that's on us. That's not on God. Somebody has said, if you find a contradiction in your Bible, mark it down. The contradiction is not between these two covers. It's between your two ears. That's where it's at. But our God is so great that he can say two things that my puny brain thinks are contradictory and both can be true because God said it. God still has mysteries. He's chosen to reveal many of them to us. But the reality is sometimes he leaves things a mystery just to remind us that God's ways are higher than our ways. All right. When we see the pattern of fulfilled prophecy in Scripture, it is always according to the historical grammatical method. What God said literally happened. In fact, we were having a conversation, some of the pastoral staff in one of the offices today, and we were talking about progressive revelation. I'm so thankful I get to live in these last days. Now, these are troubling last days, but let me, let me explain what I mean by that. I get to look back in my Bible, and when... Zephaniah said that the king would come on a donkey with a donkey's colt. Back in the days of the prophets, okay, that literally means that's what he would do, but they had no idea how that was going to happen. Guess what? You and I, who know about Palm Sunday, any of us heard about that? All right. We know exactly how that prophecy was fulfilled. In, some, in fact, some of us have stood on the Mount of Olives and walked down the very same path that Jesus rode down into the city of Jerusalem. The bloodshed, the massacre that's happening right now is horrible. It's horrific. The heart is deceitful above all things. And we will say with me, desperately what? Wicked. And God said, who can know it? I read the news and I got it. That's awful. Yeah, that's man without God. But when Herod was deceived by the wise men and he sent soldiers down to Bethlehem, do you know a prophet predicted that Rachel would mourn and would not, become, would not be comforted because her children were not. 
When the prophet said that, he had no idea how that would be fulfilled. You and I get to see how that was fulfilled. In fact, when you enter Bethlehem today, there's a monster wall there for the protection of Israel. You still go by Rachel's well. The very well. Where the women of Bethlehem gathered to mourn the fact that soldiers had brutally murdered their babies. Progressive revelation. So did God literally fulfill those prophecies or didn't he? Yes or no? So there's a whole body of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. He's going to fulfill it the very same way, folks. But just because we can't figure out exactly how he's going to do it, don't deny it. He's already done it. And his pattern is the same. Listen, it's literal. It's literal. So why interpret future prophecy differently than we interpret the other prophecy? Maybe I should ask this, or on what authority does the covenant theologian use the allegorical method to interpret the Bible at all? As we studied through Revelation, I shared with you over and over again, God does use allegory, but he tells you when he's doing it. He tells you. Otherwise, when you see demons coming out of the Euphrates River and this is what they look like, got news for you, it's what they look like. So we should not rely on human logic. Christ hasn't returned yet. And so that crowd says, well, it can't be literal. For centuries there wasn't a state of Israel. The church must be spiritual Israel. It doesn't make sense that God's sovereignty and man's free will can coexist. Therefore, we need to explain that. You can't. So let's just humbly say God's right. What did he say? He said, whosoever will may come. He also said, there are those who are elect from the foundation of the world. So which is true? Yes. Yes. You know what? Let's leave election up to God. Let's leave evangelism up to God working through man. Can I give you an example? So Paul ends up in Corinth after being run out of Thessalonica and Berea, and now he comes to Athens, and then he moves over to Corinth. He gets in Corinth, and it's the Las Vegas of Rome. That's intimidating. It was so wicked. And Paul walks around that city, and he sees this vileness. Uh, those of us that visited there a year ago... Uh, Corinth, you get up in the temple district, and some of us will remember that you had all these temples and then built into the wall, the mountain wall around the temple district, there were dormitories for a thousand prostitutes. When you went to worship the gods, that's how you worshipped. Okay, God's just called me to plant a church in that city. Oh boy. 
So Paul goes to sleep, and here's what we read. The Bible tells us in Acts, and we'll get there, that he sleeps, and the Lord comes to him and he says, Paul, be of good courage. I have much people in this city. And so Paul shot right up and he goes, what? There was a missionary here before me. It's not what the Lord means. The Lord is saying, I know who the elect are in this city. Take comfort. You're going to see people saved. Good! I can go on to the next city because these people are going to be... No. So Paul gets up, spends time with the Lord. He starts beating the pavement, those roads in that city, and people start being saved. And every time somebody trusts Christ, guess what? Paul learns who the elect are. Election was intended by God to encourage Paul in his evangelism. We don't know who the elect are. That's not our job. Our job is to go and tell every creature. That's our job. Leighton Talbert said this, We are not at liberty to draw inferences that contradict other explicit statements of Scripture. And we must be tentative about defending apparently logical inferences that carry us beyond explicit statements of Scripture. So we do interpret literally. But when it comes to the logical side, we always rest on what God has literally said. So let's look at some explicit statements in Scripture and what they teach us about the area of human logic. You're in Isaiah 55. Would you look down at verse 8? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Question, how much higher are the heavens above the earth? <laughs> Wow. NASA's still trying to figure that out. That's how much greater your God's mind works than yours. Consider Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How? What? Unsearchable. Are his judgments... And his ways past finding out. Yeah, but I, I have figured that. I've figured some of those things out about God. How, how can that be true and this be true? That is true. And the only reason that you have any understanding of God is because he's chosen to reveal his way to you. Isn't God gracious to show us so we can get it? And by the way, after this many thousand years, God's word still stands. The Bible teaches inspiration, inerrancy, and preservation. Okay? That's what his, his word teaches. And so we rest in that, that this is the word of God, because it is without error. Okay? But we also understand, but for God revealing this to us, we would be clueless. And by the way, we would be lost. We'd be lost. God has secrets. 
His secrets he calls his mysteries. Many of the mysteries have been revealed in the Bible. Others remain a mystery, though they are talked about in Scripture to remind us that the above passages are true. Does the Bible teach election, predestination, foreknowledge? I have heard messages where preachers have tried to explain those terms away. Make them logical. You know what? Our God is so great that yes, before time, he knew who would receive him. He knew it. But he also elected. Well, then is God fair? You just crossed a line. You did. Because of course he's fair. He's absolutely just. The judge of all the earth will do right. As for God, his way is perfect. Well, logically though, I just don't, I don't think it's fair. Stop. You just crossed the line. Who are you, O man, to question the Creator? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? So does the Bible teach, Whosoever will may take of the water of life freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen. Yes. The answer is absolute. Can I question how both of these things can be true? No. As soon as I do, I call into question what God has said and call into question his character and his greatness. So what must I exercise? Faith. Faith. Do you ever see a story or an account in the Bible where the Lord told one of his servants to do something and it made absolutely no sense? Huh? Give me some examples. Okay. All right. The mud. Jesus made spittle and mud on the eyes. Is that a great medical secret they haven't? No. How about to name and go dunk in the Jordan River? Really? I'm a leper. I've got open sores, and you want me to get in there? That make any sense? No, no, no. What's what's the point? Faith. Just trust the Lord. Okay. There are five thousand people out there, my disciples. Have them be seated, and I'm going to pray and give thanks. And here's what we've got to feed them. You're kidding, right? He blessed the food and he started breaking. 20 minutes later, he's still breaking. 45 minutes later, he's still breaking. And multitudes are feeding on a little boy's lunch. It doesn't have to make sense. He's God. We just need to trust him by faith. Now, to go beyond this is, is nothing more than spiritual pride, and it's that intellectualism I challenge us with. When spiritual leaders adopt this kind of hermeneutic, their trumpet gives an uncertain sound. The people of God are not prepared for service, great commission work, or their accounting before the Lord is not ready, or they're not ready for his return, all of the above. So these are the three fatal flaws of covenant theology. 
a willingness to ignore the realities of church history, a refusal to interpret all scripture literally, and an excessive reliance on human logic. The result is a theology that leaves out what is biblical or adds to the scriptures. And we just need to remember this, that extra-biblical is unbiblical. God said, don't add to, don't take from. In either case, God's sovereignty and love are diminished. His glory is tarnished when logically we try to explain what is infinite. Who is infinite? Our great God. Let's stand together. Father, help us to be students of your word but in humble faith to submit to what you say in your word. And more than anything else, Lord, help us to rest in the fact you've given us very clear marching orders to take the gospel to the world, to go and make disciples. And thank you that we'll have an eternity to sit at Jesus' feet and oh, what we're going to learn there. But after an eternity, we'll still be convinced your ways are higher than our ways and some things above finding out. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for allowing us to see God in the image of Jesus Christ. Give us safety as we head to our places tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.